0: C i n t h i a h i e t t dot com. Let the next sixty minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thank you for joining me today. And this is one of my favorite topics, as well as as much as I always like speaking on gender as well. But this show is what makes a man feel loved. And last week's show. We introduced the topic of this, what makes a man feel loved, part one. So we didn't finish all the ways that a man feels loved. So I thought we might start uh, today's show by recapping for some of the people that weren't able to listen last week. So I've gotten a lot of good feedback on this show, and it's always interesting when we start to delineate between the two different genders, what really communicates love to each gender. And so what may seem obvious to me doesn't always seem to even take it in men don't even seem to take it in and and I'm missing some very specific ways that they could feel loved so when we talk about these ways that they can feel love you'll find that it's much easier than than you might have thought so some of them are not as easy because they may require that I make some adjustments and it may require getting outside of my comfort zone and doing some things that don't necessarily come naturally to me nevertheless they are highly effective and the payoff is great so we focused last week on three, primarily on three ways a man feels loved. And this was proximity or companionship, feeding a man and of course sex. And as I repeatedly said in last shows, I know these may sound very archaic. But I want you to hang in there with me because I have found that they work and they work very well. And much of the reason for the success of these ways is that they address the nature, the hardwiring of a man. This is to say The Original Design is How God Created a Man. So I was at a lunch party um, last week, and I was discussing with this young woman who was living with her boyfriend for seven years. And she had experienced quite a bit of spiritual abuse through legalism. And, you know, was frustrated that churches are archaic in the way that they are, you know, they're not current, and um, why Christians have this big hang-up about sex before marriage and living together and all these things. And and I was able to explain to her that the reason God gives us these quote-unquote rules— is not to bind us up or to steal our joy or to make our lives difficult, but actually to make our lives work. You see, he's the master designer. He knows his design. And he knows that if you read the owner's manual, you will really enjoy the product much better. For example, you don't four-wheel a Lamborghini. It isn't designed for that. So this means that if we understand the created being, we'll be much better able to care for it, enjoy it, and get out of it what we are wanting. So when I understand the basic design of a man then these things just work. And they work because that's how God made them. So this first one was proximity and companionship. And all this really means is that men just like to have women around. They want to be spending time without stress or conflict, just being easygoing. So not a lot of talking. This is not the time to work things out or process things. They just like you around, would like you to hang out with you while they do things, doing something with little talking and no heavy processing. Because they just enjoy the presence of a woman. And if you're the wife, the girlfriend, the daughter, then they're enjoying you being around. But they don't necessarily want to do a whole lot of chit-chat. And they don't want to work on heavy, processing, emotional, deep things. So when we are really loving a man in this manner, it's very easy. We just kind of hang out with them. Because when you see men hang out, that's what they do. They don't speak a lot. They usually sit side by side. And they're just sharing whatever the event is. So the second one we talked about, this is feeding a man. And I know that, again, this sounds very archaic, but it really works. And you see that there's something very nurturing about preparing a meal, setting a table, serving a man. He serves you, you serve him, however that, that works. But it's, it's making sure that they have sustenance. Because we know many times that men really won't take very good care of themselves when it comes to eating. And so this is how we take care of them. And think about this. We all have an inner child. So we take care of children, don't we? Well, all of us, even though we're adults, also have an inner child. And it's wonderful when we are nurtured by someone that loves us. And then again, sex. So I want to remind you again, please do not be angry that he is a man. They are sexual beings. This is how God created them. They know they need to manage their own sexuality. But let's give them a little grace here. Because how would you feel if your brain was bombarded with sexual thoughts and feelings multiple times an hour? And so they're managing this, but this is not something they are doing on purpose. And so they know they have to be healthy in the way that they manage that. So you can't just want him to want you when you want him to want you. So let's have some compassion on our men that are managing a world that is highly sexualized. Songs, advertisements, just the mall alone is difficult for a man to maneuver through and to do that well. So imagine if he wanted you to go to Home Depot and in Home Depot, there was cute little kitties, puppies, babies, handbags, shoes, and jewelry all over the place, and you were supposed to just ignore it. So I want you to just really think about this is a man's world, and it's very different than a woman's. So those were the three we talked about last week. So the one we're going to start with today, one of the ways that makes a man feel very loved by me is if I control my emotions. And again, this does not necessarily come naturally to me to monitor the way I express my emotions. When I talk to my girlfriends... My mother uh coworkers, I just have feelings they're big I mean i'm kind of a dramatic, passionate person, and I 'm kind of reactionary. You really can see things on my face. It comes really naturally to me to be animated. I use my hands, I get tearful, my voice rises, I use lots of analogies i mean i 'm really, really verbal, obviously you can as I 'm doing this talk show. so I talk very quickly, and that doesn't generalize very well to men often, so I have to do things in order to moderate and adjust this so I speak slower, I use less words, I take some time, and I am careful about how animated I am and how intense I am. And I try not to talk over them or interject, because men don't generally do this when they are just talking. They really are thinking, and they are trying to express themselves. So as I understand men, one of the things we talked about last week is that there's this limbic system, which is where the amygdala is located, and the amygdala is larger in men than it is in women. This means that they are hardwired to always be looking for danger. So this is in what we would call the second brain or the limbic region. So this part of the brain is more experiential, contextual, feeling-based. Not a whole lot of logic in the limbic system. This is pure survival. So remember, when we are animated, what happens is it puts them in the right side of the brain where there are only feelings and not a lot of logic. This is because the limbic system has the autonomic, the parasympathetic, and the sympathetic nervous system. So alongside the other two components of the autonomic nervous system, this sympathetic nervous system aids in controlling most of the body's internal organs or stress, as in the fight-or-flight response. And it's thought to try to counteract the parasympathetic nervous system, which generally works to promote maintenance of the body at rest. So the functions of these are not so straightforward, but it's a good way to to use this rule of thumb. This means that when they perceive danger, this is when we're having really animated, big, negative emotions, they find themselves in the sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight, flight, or freeze. It's predominantly survival-oriented. And so men do not like feeling anything other than happy. We know that. And the amygdala is hardwired to recognize danger. And because men have a larger amygdala than women... It means their brain is constantly scanning for danger. This is not conscious. Their brain is doing it for them. So when they see someone with very animated uh, emotions, it's like the buzzer goes off. And they may start at DEFCON 5, which is state of rest, and maybe rise to three, maybe even two. And this is why when we see men in groups and in bars at football games, they're constantly calming each other down. They're saying, hey, dude, whoa, whoa, it's no big deal. Take it easy. Because they all know intuitively and maybe experientially If they don't get each other calmed down, somebody is going to go to blows and somebody could die. Because this is what happens with men. See, we see men, they start brawling at football games, at bars, in their houses. Once they really get engaged in that fight, they go to a whole different level of anger than women have. They're going to fight to the death, and their body doesn't even register the blows they're getting. So the next morning they wake up, they can't believe how damaged they are. It's a very different physiological process for men than it is for women. So when I'm interacting with men, I have to understand that if I start getting really animated in negative emotional realms, that would be, those are like anger and sadness, they're going to register that differently than women. Women see this and we move toward the person. Men see those emotions and they move away. So this is an unconscious um, thing for them to do. So what happens then is that me as a woman, I feel abandoned. I think, oh my gosh, you don't care. You don't even see And meanwhile, they're trying to process this information that's going on in their brain. So they're starting to go on high alert. And they typically also will take it very personally, which is always fascinating to me with men. So even my husband, he's really good emotionally. But if I am really, really angry, really, really frustrated, and it's not about him, he eventually will say to me, why are you angry at me? And I'll be thinking, I didn't even mention you in this conversation. I was venting about somebody at work. And so... He, it, what happens is he starts to lose track of what I'm saying because there's so much anger. And so what happens then is they think, why is she still mad? And it becomes very personal to them. They feel like they have to fix it. They see someone in pain. They want to pull that down. So one of the things that we talked about last time is the way that women process things differently and do things differently. So women will say, I, I never knew what impact my facial expressions had on a man. And it's of all ages how they immediately get defensive if my facial expression is negative. And this applies everywhere. Women, this, this is, if you, want, if you want good help at restaurants, services, use aggression very sparingly. So what we realize is that when a man begins to experience danger or offense, it can travel to someone or something else that has nothing to do with the original impetus of the feeling. So you can see a man can start out being angry at a football game and it can become about the buddy that's sitting next to them. So it can travel that way. They're not even consciously thinking it. They're just preparing. If, they get, if someone's getting angry, they're preparing for someone to suffer. So it's, a, it's very important that when, you see, that when you see men, especially if there's any alcohol, even if there's none, this is why these mob things occur at soccer games in Europe. One thing just starts triggering, and all of a sudden, you, like when you see in these Western movies, one guy throws a punch, and after, in a minute, the whole place is fighting, they don't even know why. They're all just slugging it out with each other. It's a big barroom brawl. So men know that there is a propensity, that if someone near you is angry, it could become about you and it probably will. So with women, we need to say to them, now remember, I'm not angry with you. I'm so furious with so-and-so. I don't like the service I got or whatever. If I'm complaining about a vendor, eventually to my husband, he will take responsibility and think he's the one that messed up or he, and then he'll begin to defend. So I have to remind him, I'm not mad that's not what I'm I'm talking about, this. And it gives them a, a reset. And they're able then to hang in there and keep listening to what's going on. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next hour, in the next part of this segment, and we are going to talk about what makes a man feel loved and this issue of controlling our emotions. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about what makes a man feel loved. And in this last, that last segment, we were talking primarily about one of the ways I, I cause a man to feel loved by me is I control my emotions. Because the limbic system, which is the fight-or-flight system, gets triggered when men see really big negative emotions, either anger or sadness. And so one of the ways that I help him stay present with me and that I show respect for him as well is that I don't take my feelings out on him, for one. And I remind him that if I am venting about something else, that he's not the one I'm angry with, that I'm angry with this other person. And I continue to remind him of that so that he gets this reset so that he can stay there and listen. And if I am angry with him, then I am very careful about how I do that. And so I use statements like, when you, I feel. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. And so it's this idea of using my facial expressions, my body language, my tone of voice, to make sure that I am not triggering that limbic system. Because once that happens, they are now on the defense and they will defend themselves against me versus having compassion on me if I'm sad or listening to me if I'm angry. So this next one is letting him be successful with me. Now, this is a very important thing because we know that if you have listened to any of the shows I've done on gender, that a man's greatest need is success respect, love of beauty, likes to have beauty around him and he needs challenge and adventure. So one of the things that causes him to feel very loved is if he's successful with me. So many times they don't know how to engage in a way that helps them be successful because emotional relationships are not necessarily intuitive to men. So when I have men in my office and they're going back and forth, their wife, their husband, and he says, just tell me what to say, just tell me what to say. And his wife looks at me and just goes, really? I have to tell him what to say. If I have to tell him what to say, it doesn't mean anything. And I have to reframe that and say to them, you know, this does not come naturally for men. So when they ask you, tell me what to say, they really want to say the right thing. They really want to be successful. They don't know all the intricacies of communicating like women do. For us, one word can mean one thing. another, You know, just a variation of another word means something completely different. And men don't always know all those intricacies. They don't always know exactly what it is that we're needing because they're not a girl. They're not a woman. And so they don't think like a woman. They think like a man, which means that they are more mechanistic, more systematizing in their brain. So they are trying to find the rules that govern the system. So we want to give them the rules. So when he says, just tell me what to say. I don't know what to say. Then we want to delineate. Well, this is what I was hoping to hear. This is what I'm needing to hear. And then we say, is that how, can you say that honestly to me? Because that's what I'm needing to hear. So what this does is the more I give him directions, because we're be- we are better able to manage emotions being hardwired to do it, it's important for me to give them specific directions and say, you know what, I'm probably going to cry when I tell you this, but it's okay because I'm having a female moment. Don't worry about it. I'm probably going to cry when I talk about this because it's a really important thing that happened. This gives the man the ability to stay engaged. He says, okay, I understand what's going on. He understands the rules of engagement. I'm not saying that you're the cause or that you made this happen. Now, if that's not the case, if if he is the cause, then I say something to him like, I'm probably going to cry when I tell you this because this behavior that I'm going to talk about really hurt my feelings. So it is kind of fresh for me right now. Maybe I'll tell him that. Maybe I'll say, I can't wait till tomorrow to talk about it. So I'm going to have some emotion. I am going to be emotional. Once I give him this, he kind of prepares himself. And I say, but I'm going to be okay. I'm really going to be okay. So this gives the man the, the ability to stay engaged. He understands the rules. So as we're going through this, this also works in the workplace. Because if I, at work, we don't want to be in a right? But we may be having feelings. And if we're in front of a man, one of the things that we just say to a man is, listen, I'm really upset right now. I'm probably crying. I, you see I'm crying. I can manage this and I'm really working on this, but I'm very upset and you just give them the information because that's the scariest thing for them is they don't know what's going on, and they will eventually say it's because of them, and then they will get angry or frustrated because they don't like feeling like they're in a situation that they're going to fail. So I give them very specific things to help them be successful. Now, I'm still not denying myself. I'm not watering it down. I'm not pretending I'm okay when I'm not, but I want to respect a man enough to know that if I help and give him the right direction... They can handle my really big feelings. They are very strong creatures. They are amazingly wonderful creatures that God has created. And the more I see them as that and not as, wow, i got to work this hard because they have this problem or they're emotionally stunted, because they're not. They're just different. So the same thing I say to me, just because a woman is highly emotional doesn't mean she's weak. So I will say to them, do you understand how painful this emotion is? You don't want to feel it ever. They are very strong people to feel emotions to feel them completely and deeply and in a healthy manner. That doesn't make women weak. When we use our emotions to manipulate people, when we won't manage our feelings, that, that may be weakness. That may be something that we want to work on. But we're not to ever be embarrassed that we have feelings, especially with a man. We just need to give them some clear direction and understanding about what's happening to us, if they're a part of the feeling, if they're not. So I give him ways to be successful because then they feel respect and success. Two, the ways a man feels the most loved. So, you're wanting to work on monitoring your emotions. And as you are managing emotions, and I have to tell you, it's tough because sometimes I just want to have a feeling. But many times, if I have a very intense feeling about something that my husband has done or said or not done or whatever it is, I might journal about that first. I might go talk to myself as I'm driving in the car, have a conversation with him. I might go and tell a girlfriend, as long as I'm doing that in a respectful manner. Because you can't take information back. So you want to be careful when you are talking to other people about your spouse or your boyfriend that you don't cause them to feel disrespect. That you just say to your friend, your mom, your girlfriend, hey, I am so furious, but remember, my husband is awesome, boyfriend is great, but right now I just need to vent. And so I do that so that then when I go talk to that man, I don't have all that high emotionality so that I can then help him be successful with the feeling that I'm having. So this way, we are then giving them proximity and companionship. We are nurturing them, feeding them, very old-fashioned way. We are then certainly addressing sexual things, and we're going to talk about that at the end as well. And then I'm making sure that I'm managing and monitoring my own emotions, that I'm not just basically throwing up all over them, because it's highly disrespectful to do to anybody. But we have this tendency as women to just, as soon as we have a feeling, we're just going to have it anyway, we're going to have it, and... Everyone should just somehow deal with it. And that, that's, first of all, not a, an adult. And secondly, it's not helpful to you or to ha- whoever else is experiencing that feeling. And then we're going to talk in the next segment about trust and why this one is so very important for men to have. They want to know that we believe in them, that we admire them, that we trust them, that we know that they have positive intentions. That they're not purposefully trying to harm us and so it's imperative that when we are talking to men about this if I'm telling him negative things about how I feel about something he's done the way he's acting something he's not done that I'm I'm showing him that I really trust who he is and that I believe who he says he is and who he wants to be and that the behavior is is simply a behavior it's not him and so I say to him you know I really know you would never intentionally hurt me however I have to tell you that this incident was very painful. And then I give him the behavior and I tell him what that is, not blaming him. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again. We're going to talk more about what makes a man feel loved and why trust is so important. For joining me again, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are talking about what makes a man feel loved. And so we ended this last um, segment with the issue of trust. One of the ways that a man feels very loved by me is if I trust him. It doesn't mean I agree with everything he does. It doesn't mean I'm happy with everything he does or like everything he does. does. But it does mean I still trust him. Because this is one of the things that I always find fascinating is that men are constantly trying to tell me they didn't intend to hurt somebody. So they say, that's not what I meant to do. And first of all, they don't always care if they are liked. They do care if they're, if they're not successful. They do care if they're not respected. They would rather be respected than liked. And so they're going to say that they never intended to hurt you, that they were trying to make it right. They were trying to make it work. They thought you would be happy if they did whatever, blah, blah, blah. You were really, really, really mad at me, and I wanted to talk to you, but I thought if I brought you flowers, it would go away. And so I say, really, right? That's trying to make it work, buying me flowers. And so it's a whole different world for men. You have to remember that the scariest thing for a man is a woman's emotions because they never know where they're going to go. They never know how it's going to turn out. They don't know if they're going to be okay. So what's interesting about men is this, this needing to protect who they are and who you think they are. Now, both genders do this, but we do it in different ways for different reasons. So for them, they're not sure that they didn't mean to do that and it wasn't their intention. Because the other men, you know, they may have negative negative intentions toward each other. And it's fascinating to me that men can like other men and not trust them at all. And not even like, not, not believe in their character at all, but they can hang out with them, do business with them, enjoy them, like them. So men can do things very differently. That's not the case with women. And so they are wanting to make sure that you know, hey, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not that bad guy. I'm a good man. So they want to make sure that when, I, when, when they're hearing me say all these negative things or processing with them things I'm upset about, they want to know that I'm going to say to them, but listen, honey, I know you're a good man. I really believe I have a lot of faith in you and I trust you. And I know you would not intentionally ever do anything that would harm me, or family, church, friends, animals, whatever that is. And so they're going to be able then to address much better the complaint. So I'll say again, I really trust you. I trust your intentions. However, this behavior that you just exhibited didn't match that. As a result, I'm not feeling a lot of the love over here. So I'm, I'm thankful that his intentions are positive, but I still want to address what I felt like on the outside. Because many times... In my practice, I'm saying to men, I believe your intentions are good. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. The problem is the love that you feel inside of you, the intentions that you have aren't being felt outside. And so this is part of the whole process of helping men be successful with us is that we tell them and show them or, or direct that as this is what would cause me to feel loved. And so if we have a good man, he's going to make those adjustments. Now, I may not do it quickly, immediately, every single time. But this is what we're wanting to tell them. We're wanting to say, if you really want me to feel loved by you, if you really want me to feel all your good intentions and to feel how much love you have for me, this is what I need to hear. This is what I need you to do. And so, obviously, I'm talking in generalities and, and I'm wanting us to, to be respectful of this. So when I tell them that, listen, we need to work on why your wife isn't feeling loved. So I've gotten the fact that you love her, otherwise you would be sitting here. And so I always say to women, you know you've got a good man and one who really loves you if they come and spend $175 to talk to me, because that is not what men like to do. They don't want to come and chit-chat and talk all about the ways that they're failing. So you know if they're going to therapy, if they're going to conferences, marriage conferences, if they're reading a book, if they're talking to their men's group, if they're going to individual therapy themselves, if they're meeting with your pastor, you know that you've got a good man, because that is a huge act of love on their part. It is not enjoyable for them. So when I'm working with men, one of the things I'm very clear about is I am very direct. I'm very truthful with them. I'm very respectful with them. And I give them specific things they can do to get the end result that they want. So I don't do a whole bunch of chatting all over the place and helping them understand intricacies of women's emotions, because that's not what he's needing. He's needing a specific thing. So again, we want to trust who they are and who they want to be believed. We, as women, that's a given to us. If we wouldn't be in relationship with someone and intimate with someone if we thought their intentions weren't, weren't positive. So we, we don't need to keep telling our friends, hey, my intentions are good. I really am trying to do the right thing. So this is part of understanding that men have different rules that they play by. So you can see men can have a terrible meeting at work, three-hour horrible. They're going at each other. Their veins are popping out. And when the meeting is over, they all go and play a game of ball. I mean, how do you do that? How do you play basketball after you've had a meeting like that? Well, this is compartments. So it's all war. So they are raging. But when the war is over, they shut the door. They punch the clock and they play the game. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in this last hour, this last segment on what makes a man feel loved. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about what makes a man feel loved. And earlier on, we have done proximity and companionship, feeding a man, sex, of course, controlling my emotions and letting them be successful with me. And the last we talked about was trust and trusting their intentions, trusting who they are and giving them ways to really cause us to feel all those good feelings they have for us. So we're going to talk now about affection. And there are things that I can do to show this man I believe in him and I believe in his character without even saying anything. And one of the ways I do that has to do with affection. And so it has to do with the way I look at them. If I look at them with an open affect, you know, my eyes are more open. They're not. I don't have a furrowed brow. And they know that that's a loving look. We smile at them. I might touch their shoulder, give them a quick hug. If they failed us, we might say, You know, that really did hurt, but I know you didn't mean to. And we re-engage and we hug them and it fixes things so well with men. It's not that easy to fix it with women. But they just want to have a reset button. And so if we will do that for them, that is one of the kindest things you can do for a man is to just let it be okay now. Because for us, it's a little bit more difficult than that. We want to process it out until we feel close. And now we're really okay. And then we want to talk about it the next day. And then we we want to talk about what we should have done. And men are just like, oh my gosh, you're killing me. Can we, just, can we just have it be done? And so when they hang in there with us, and they feel bad, and they apologize, then let's just fix it. Let's just let it be okay. It's the nicest, kindest thing that you can do. Now, I am not talking about egregious behavior. I'm not talking about um, the more serious problems. I'm talking about the day in and day out working with a man. And sometimes, you know, they're just a little harsher than we are, and we can get a little sensitive. And sometimes it's nice if we just, you know, they made a mistake. They didn't handle it right. They forgot to do something. And we just let them be okay and fix it. So this works for men of all ages. You can do this for little boys, teenagers, call young adults, brothers, fathers, because you even see with little boys, when they're younger, they have this reset button and they start over. And so this idea that with women, obviously we know it doesn't work that well. We try to do a little reset and they're like, don't think we're done yet. So we feel like we're sweeping it under the carpet. Like, like somehow, our feeling was being dismissed. There's a whole different way that we perceive another woman is going. Okay, good. That's good enough. Let's move on. It's like really, because you know that unless we are really practiced in doing that, we both maybe have a relationship that can handle that. Because for the most part, if we do that, if we move on too soon, then we have these hidden resentments, and we think the, we have these feelings like you can move on that fast. Is that easy for you? Is that all it means to you? So we are very, very different. So we need to understand the difference enough to make our differences better. And there are these differences that cause us to strive to be better people. So when, when we're working with men, it's really important for us to just say, you know, I just need to get over this. I don't need to drag this out. I don't need to rehash it. I don't need to explain it and delineate it six ways and half a dozen of the other so that he gets my point. He gets the point. He's uncomfortable. He feels bad. He feels yucky. So good. Let's move on. So this is one of the ways that I, that is an affectionate move emotionally. And then if I physically give him a hug and I look at him and I smile and I say, okay, we're good. And if I can't, then one of the kindest things I can do is say, you know what? I really appreciate your apology. I know you take this seriously. I'm going to get over this. I really am. I I just can't do it that quickly right now, but we're going to be okay. So just give me, give me a little while and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be myself again. And so in general, with, with men, many times, you know, the nice thing is a hug. Don't necessarily have to do a full body hug if it's a, you know, brother, father, friend. But you want to really make sure that when you're touching them, you're looking at them, these things cause them to feel loved. So I look them in the eye. I say, hey, if I, if I have a man in my office that had a particularly difficult session, I look him in the eye. I shake his hand. I say, you know, I'm really proud of you. Those was really tough and this goes a long way in strengthening them and to keep them going. It's like a coach saying, okay, yeah, that was a hard hit, but you're doing a good job. Go out there, play the game. So they run back on the field and they take more hits. So when we give them affection, after we, they know we've, they've really messed up, we've confronted them on something. When we give them affection, that is so healing for them to restore themselves, to reset, and to keep trying with us. Because if we don't let them be successful with us, right, then they begin to move away. They don't want to engage because it's never successful for them. It never causes them to feel any better about the relationship. So when I show them that I can recover and I give them that that little bit of affection, a peck on the cheek, a hug, I look them in the eye and I just say, you know what, we're really going to be okay. And thank you. That, I, that was tough, but I appreciate you hearing it. And then we let that go. So This affection is a huge thing. And one of the things that we as women get afraid that if we start to give affection, it will, oh my gosh, it's going to lead to sex. And we're not really wanting to go there. It always turns into sex. And surely there's a lot of reasons that that might happen for men, especially if they are not having sex very often. It's very difficult for men to be able to monitor that and manage their own sexuality when they're basically living in the Sahara Desert. So we want to be really realistic about what's happening for men because testosterone is very different from estrogen. And we need to not demonize them for having a hormone that we don't have as much of. This is just what happens to their body and they don't even have a lot of control over it except the decision that they make about it. So I need to realize that when I'm being affectionate and it starts to move in that direction, I have a decision to make. I can either say, you know what? Okay, I can pull over. Because you see, women, we get in the zone too. We're going down the highway of life. We don't want to stop. And they're like, can you just pull over for a minute? And I'm like, do I want to pull over? How long is this going to be really, right? So we don't want to be disrespectful in understanding that, of course, their body begins to do that. This is the reality of how it works. So we don't want to make the transition. We need to be aware of that. And so if I'm not really comfortable going there, I don't want to withhold affection and just say to them, you know, just because I don't want it to turn into sex. Because that then communicates a myriad of things to men. So I can say to them. You know, I want to give you a really big, long hug and a really good kiss, but I don't have it in me right now to do more than that. But I don't want to withhold that from you either. I just tell them that, and they're like, oh, okay. Kind of bummed, but okay. So I need to give them, again, some direction, some delineation, some, a, a target to shoot for. So it's very much these things that, that you're in a group, you're walking around with them, you touch their arm, you give them a look so they know you're connected. Because this shows public respect for them as well. It makes them feel very loved. For as women, whatever, we, we have a harder time doing this with men. We'll do it with kids, we'll do it with our girlfriends, but for some reason with men, we get this guard that goes up and I don't want to give him that. So we need to really practice letting that guard down, letting, them, letting that defense down and saying, why can't I give that to him? Why would I withhold that from a man when he is alone for the most part in his world? I'm his primary connection. This is why we know that men do far better when they are married, even if it's a bad marriage. Because when they get married, like we said before, that's going to be their best friend. Because a best friend to a man is different than how we see best friends. Because they're not going to be my girlfriend. I can be their best friend. So when, when we see this idea this, that publicly we are wanting to give them affection, publicly we are wanting to give them affirmation, we are wanting to, to brag about this, So in terms of affection, this is one of the most important things to show love. Will they reach out for it if they need it, or do they need a woman to give it? Well, this depends many times on the relationship and what we have taught them in that relationship. Because for the most part, sometimes we get this, men are doing this, you know, grabbing thing, the drive-bys, you know, this does not work for women. And so obviously they should not do that. I talked to men about that one, but they do feel compelled but it's one of the things that when men typically walk up to you, try to get next to you, try to kiss or give you a hug, if you brace against them or push them away, it is one of the most unloving, hurtful things you can do to a man. It's very painful for them and very rejecting. And so it's important that I relax my body and I say, let me receive that hug. Let me receive that kiss. It's not going to last 15 minutes. I can do that. And it's actually restorative for me. So we take a lot of look about women and and their body issues and how they feel about their body. But you have to understand that men have body issues as well. And when I touch them, hug them, look at them, that is a way that I am physically accepting them. And I want them to be physically accepted. We want to be physically accepted and know we are beautiful and desired. So one of the ways I do that is I touch men in in a, in a very affectionate manner. And so Kissing them, looking at them lovingly, it's very accepting and it's very supportive. It's very healing for their self-concept. So this next part is giving points and making deposits. This is the thank yous, the gratitude, the acknowledgement, noticing, bragging about them to other people. These are wonderful emotional deposits. So when I talk to people about an emotional bank account, one of the things I'm wanting to do when it comes to my husband is I'm wanting to make as many deposits as possible because I know I'm going to make withdrawals. So if I have done no deposits and I do a withdrawal, he's going to have a harder time getting over it. He's going to be more hardened toward me, and we don't want a man's heart to harden toward a woman. It's very difficult to get them to soften that back up. So I want to be careful that I'm putting lots of deposits so that when I have a withdrawal, when I have a bad emotional moment, when I'm disrespectful to him, when I overlook something, that he has enough in him to buffer that. So I get tons of couples that come to me, and they're in complete bankruptcy. Because they have not done any deposits to one another. And they are just angry that they're not getting the deposit that they, that they want. So with men, you have to understand that it doesn't take a whole lot to make a deposit. It's very easy. I can just smile at my husband and that makes his day. Just a nice face is very comforting to them. Because when, they have a scow- when we have a scowl on our face, it's very stressful for them. Very stressful. We have to remember that what men love about women is that they bring beauty to their world. And that does not mean you have to be a Victoria's Secret model. Other men do not bring beauty to their world. So we create this world for them, this atmosphere for them that is comforting to their soul. So when I have this ugly look on my face, it's stressful for them because all of a sudden this beautiful thing is not beautiful. It's distressing. On top of the fact that they're going to feel responsible many times, or they're going to feel upset because they don't know what they did, or they're going to think, oh, great, now the rest of the day is going to be like this. I'm walking on eggshells. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know why she's upset. I don't know, maybe I did it. If I don't figure it out quickly, I'm going to have a whole bunch to pay for. And so they start not being themselves. And then we ask what's wrong with them and they say nothing. And we insist. And now they're really scared because they have no good answers. None. So it's imperative that my tone of voice, the degree of intensity, the words I choose, the look on my face, that if I use that sparingly, it goes a long way. With my husband, he knows if I, he knows a look, he knows a tone of voice that this is serious. So this is important that when we are being affectionate with men, that this is a kindness that we give to them. So again, we want to practice proximity and companionship, which means we just hang out with them. We don't need to talk. We might do things that they like that we might not like. We feed them in. We are realistic about their sexuality. We are not angry with them because they are sexual beings and that they are trying to manage that. We're not frustrated with them about that and their desire for us. We are thankful that they're wanting us. I work on controlling my emotions so that all those angry, negative, or sad feelings, I help them with helping me with those feelings instead of just vomiting them out all over the place and expecting them to deal with it, or taking it out on them, or, or losing the whole entire program, screaming and sobbing and wailing and swearing and Cussing. It's like these are completely ineffective when you're working with men. If you want them to really help you, if you want them to love you and care for you. Again, letting them be successful with me. I want to give them direction or rules. And I want to tell them I trust in who they are. I know they're good. I know I have faith in them that they're trying to be a good man. I give them affection. By the way I look at them, the way I touch them, smile, my tone of voice. Publicly, privately, This affection is is very important. And then I want to make sure I'm giving them points. I'm saying thank you. I'm recognizing all the things they do. Because remember, for a man, their whole life is a football game. They just want the touchdown and they want to get to the Super Bowl. And so everything they do is about getting a point. So if I ignore it, then it's kind of like there's the cheerleaders and nobody notices the, 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 the goal, the score. So it's important that we give these things to men, that we respect them that we're thankful for the creature that God has made. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversation with Cynthia. Join me again next week, and we are going to talk about Is It Okay to Go to Bed Angry? Have a great week.
0: We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.